we are trying to work out uh, a couple of our sound issues, so uh, let us know. If you can hear this fine, just maybe a comment or uh, somebody out there who tuned in and has Brian Wade's number, you can send him a text and let him know that you can hear okay. Um, so we are, uh, again, coming to you with our low-tech um, but incredibly uh, worshipful and thankful hearts to say that we're, we're delighted to be together. I'm going to uh, speak a word over us out of Hebrews chapter 12. I'll be in Hebrews chapter 12, a little bit of 13, uh, just a few verses really, but it's a message to me that is imperative for us you know, in this hour. And so I'm going to pray, thank the Lord for our fellowship that we've expanded. We always, we always pray when we're together, when we have a fellowship time, that the Lord would expand it outside of uh, outside of these walls, and again, while we're not thankful for all that's going on, we do believe that there's something happening in the life of the church now that the Lord is going to use significantly, and I think one of the areas is going to be deep and abiding fellowship, and so let me just pray and ask the Lord to bless that and our word, our time together. If you're, again, if you have a Bible, uh, open up to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be really around verse 28 at the end, and then in into uh, chapter 13, verse 8, just a couple of verses and some comments, and then we'll, we're going to serve communion. Oh, yeah, if you have, uh, uh, I want you to go ahead and grab something at home. Just grab some juice and, and some bread. or so we're, we're, we're being creative here as well today. So you'll be prepared at the end of the service to, to share in communion with us. So let me pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that where two or more gather, there is the opportunity to, to join into deep fellowship. Lord, we love it when 20 or 200 or 2,000 or 20,000 gather to worship you. We love the vibrancy and the energy that we feel. But Lord, let us never look beyond the power of two or three and the promise of your presence and the opportunity to fellowship in deeper and deeper ways than we've ever known. So, Lord, we ask that you would cause us and compel us in our hearts to, to go deep in this time, to not waste the moments that we've been given. Lord, we look within our own hearts and within our own households to those who are in need of deeper fellowship. We pray for the, for the deepening of marriages. Lord, we pray for parents who begin to disciple their children and children who are provoking their parents to jealousy by asking deeper and deeper questions and wanting to go deeper in the Lord. We pray for those amongst our congregation who are single and might feel alone and stranded, that there would be ways in which they would connect via technology and other ways, Lord, where your very presence would, would be um, the safe place, the, the, the strong tower. We ask, Lord, that you would use these days, that they would not be wasted days, but that they would be deep and abiding days in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, would you bless the declaration of your word, would you speak through me as I, as I speak a, a devotional, a kind of a short word on, on the power uh, that we see within you? Lord, you are bringing to us, you have brought to us an unshakable kingdom. And we ask, Lord, that you would anchor us to that very kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, open your Bibles to, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm just going to walk through a few different places there and try to connect some dots uh, for us this morning, and then we'll have communion and close. Uh, if you look at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 
is the culmination of this powerful chapter where uh, the writer of Hebrews has talked about all who walk in faith and all the ways in which their walk in faith is, uh, is an encouragement and a model for us. It even says the world's not worthy of them. And then it says, therefore, in verse 1, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is Hebrews 12, 1, since this great cloud of faithful witnesses has gone before us, uh, then let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. I love that the writer of Hebrews is saying it isn't just sin that, tri- that, that, that trips us up, but anything that distracts us from what it means to keep you know, ourselves where we need to be. So anything that hinders us, and I think these are days of hindrance and days of distraction for sure. Uh, he says, let, everything, let, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's exactly, you know, my prayer this morning and in these days is that Jesus, that we keep our eyes on the king, that we keep our eyes fixed on him. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us about what's coming in the days to come in in this chapter and then culminates at the end of the, the chapter by saying essentially this, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You know, I find that even that that idea, that concept, to be incredibly provocative to me during these days. I've been thinking a lot about it. I meet a lot of people who say things like, um, you know, I, I would love to follow Jesus if I could just see him or if I could have some sort of encounter with him that I could know that he's real. Uh, if, if, if I could see him and talk to him like I'm talking to you right now, then maybe I could give myself to him. But the fact that he's He's unseen. It makes him feel unreal. And, you know, in spite of the fact that there's more evidence for the life and uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, I believe, than there is the life of, like, George Washington, uh, you know, we, we struggle with this because we can't, we can't see him today. But the, 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 the interesting thing to me is, is that we are now driven to our homes in virtual worship by a virus that we can't see. You know, it's, it's, it's invisible to our eyes, yet it's permeated the whole world, and it's shaken just, you know, in the course of a week or two, uh, governments, nations, cities, households, lives have been shaken to their core. And I don't, uh, it's not my theology to say I don't know why this is happening. I don't know that, I, you know, whether sovereignty says that God causes or allows things to happen, and I don't have answers to why this is happening but the fact of the matter is, is it seems to me to fit very nicely here where it's saying that, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But then the writer goes on to say this in verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably or with grace and with reverence and awe for our God as a consuming fire. So the writer of Hebrews is giving us this idea of a kingdom that is fixed and no matter what happens around it if the entire world is crumbling and being shaken this kingdom is a fixed point and will not move and you might look at that and read that and go that's cool but it it occurs to me that if you have a kingdom without a king it's just half it's it's incomplete or if you have a king without a kingdom that's just half you need a king and a kingdom and so if you flip over in hebrews 13 to the uh into the eighth verse, you find this. You find the description of this 
king who sits over this unshakable kingdom. So the king who sits on the throne of an unshakable kingdom should match and model that same kingdom. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so one of my very favorite authors, and I always consider him a mentor, although I never met him, a guy named E. Stanley Jones, wrote a book called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person, where he marries together these two verses and says, this is what we need. This is God's total answer for our total need. An unshakable kingdom presided over by an unshakable king, an unchanging king. And so that's what's on my heart this morning, that, uh, you know, you can't actually cancel church, can you? You can close a building, uh, but we are the church, and we are the, the citizens of an unshakable kingdom. And so even when we can't gather together like we normally do, we don't cease to be the, the, the kingdom dwellers. We don't cease to have a responsibility within the kingdom to, to be who we need to be. Yes, these are shaky days. Uh, these are days where things are being shaken and there's questions that we've never asked before that we're asking. We, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself, uh, it goes beyond sports or markets or things like that. I was thinking, man, I wonder if there's been, ever been a period in history where, where Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate, has ever been so threatened, at least in Protestant history. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and we're wondering, will we be able to gather together in person? I mean, odds are we won't. And so lots of things. You know, we have economic questions. We have political questions. And so, but the fact of the matter is this. There's never a week that goes by in the life of a congregation where there isn't something that's shaken, where there isn't upheaval in someone's life circumstances. Something's always taking place. I've gotten a lot of messages from people that said things like, you know, can we kind of reset 2020? Can we go back? Can we push the delete button? Can we, can we turn it off and turn it back on again? You know, 2020 has been, at least for our congregation, I don't know, you know, for those of you who are watching from other places, other parts of the world, what your 2020 has been like, but it's been a rough 2020 for us. We've had a lot of things that have come our way that have been traumatic, unexpected uh, tragedies. Um, we've had a lot that's come our way. And so this is another bump in the road. But again, the fact of the matter is, is a life in ministry has told me there's not a week that goes by that we don't experience some upheaval of some sort where someone's life has been shaken. And uh, these events, this coronavirus, are certainly shaking events. And uh, they, they shatter certain uh, presuppositions we had about how life would always be. And, and whether or not this has affected you yet, it probably will in some deep way. And so here's the... Here's the the, the root of it for me, though, having pastored for a lot of years, I haven't become numb. I don't think it's possible really to become numb or desensitized to the, the way that things get shaken off people's lives. You know, we, but I have become accustomed uh, to their occurrence. Uh, they don't surprise me anymore when things happen uh, because I'm accustomed to the fact that things, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And, and because I know that we live in a highly breakable, a highly shakable world and things are always going on that are going to change things. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a pink slip. Maybe it's, you know, bad news from, you know, from, from some other place. I mean, again, I always say this. Don't rely on me to name whatever issue that's going on in your life. And what I've come to believe is it's not so much a matter of people whining about their circumstances. It's just a true fact that, 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 surprising and shocking things happen. And while their impact is different on each one of us, 
We all experience these kinds of things, don't we? You know, we all have things that happen. And now we're in a position in life where we're all experiencing something that's shaking together. And none of us, no matter how much we've seen or been through, how young or old we are, are shockproof or shakeproof. But when we look in God's word, when we look in Hebrews 12, we see something different. We see this call upon our lives to become ambassadors of an unshakable kingdom uh, while living in a shakable world. And there's a great truth that's important in that for all of us that we have to capture and embrace in our hearts, not just as a hope, something that we can hope for or cling to, but as a a practical reality that, that can happen in and through our lives. And so by hearing and responding to the call of Jesus to follow him and by fixing our eyes on him, this unchanging man, it's possible for his unshakable kingdom to so get inside of our lives and to penetrate the fabric of who we are that even though we may be shocked and shaken by circumstances around us, that we won't become easily shaken. We won't won't lose our footing in life. Even though things might rattle and rupture all around us, there is stability that we know and through us, not because of anything inside of us or anything that's made us better than anyone else, but because of something and someone steadfast that has flowed from the outside of us into our lives with the power and promise of God, and that's the person of Jesus. And so things that happen, devastating things that, that take place in our world today all around us, they, they underscore how critical it is for us to, to receive and to experience this unshakable kingdom for ourselves. And it begins with, for if, you're, if you're watching and you don't know this, it begins with new life in Christ. This is the place where it begins, which is to say, Jesus says you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't be a citizen in the kingdom of God, in this unshakable kingdom, without being born again into it. And you say, well, how can a person be born twice? This is the very question that Jesus was asked. And the answer is, is it's pointed to us to be born once of our mother, but be, to be born once again in the spirit, and be born of the spirit, and be filled with God's spirit in such a way that new birth brings us into a new dimension of life where the Lord begins to work out his stability in us and he begins to implant within us his unchanging nature and he begins to fix us more and more to his unshakable kingdom. And the, un- the nature of his unshakable kingdom begins to equip our lives in ways that we can live radically before a world that is still shaken in, in, you know, to its core and, and we can overflow into the world around us with his constancy and his goodness and his strength. And there's a desperate need for people like us it's a desperate need at this time and at this hour for people who know and love Jesus to, and follow Jesus to, to demonstrate being anchored to an unshakable king in, in a world where everything is changing. And so people like us who can be dependent upon because we're open to being instruments and expressions of the solidity of the living God and to, and to demonstrate that to the world. So my admonition for us today is this that we have to become an anchor people. We live in a changing world filled with people who are, who are reaching for something firm, something they can grasp. Even last week I said millennials you know, are done with hype and they're looking for hope. People are longing for something that cannot be shaken. And God calls us to become people who have the grip on, on this unshakable nature of, of a Savior who is unchanging and who transcends everything in a world that's temporary and introduces something that's constant and unmoving and stable and strong in a kingdom that even though things are shifting and shaking around us and even shattering circumstances, that God's kingdom is not moving. Amen, Pastor Kevin?
Pastor Kevin's locked in right here with me. And so in God's word, we find this eternal truth regarding the abiding nature of this kingdom that will not move and this king who presides over it who's not moving either. Uh, it's, it, it's unshakable and he's unshaking. And so I've got a bunch of things that I'm thinking about that we can do in the days to come. I've actually got a whole message on hindrances to the kingdom and what, in ways in which we, uh, we, we can take our eyes off him. That'll, that'll keep for another time. Uh, but for this week, I want to just say this to us. Let's do what we can to plow deeper into the word of God. Those of you who know and love Jesus and follow him, I don't know how it's going for you, but my time in the word has gotten only richer. I'm excited to share with you some of the things God's sharing with me, and I'm excited to hear from you the things God's sharing with you. I want to encourage you in your households to begin to, to worship the Lord each day together. I want to encourage you to, to come together as a, as a family of faith and to pray for the community around you, to pray for healthcare workers and those who are, in, uh, who are first responders and people who are more prone to receiving uh, this virus just because of their heroic work. Uh, in, in treating commu a community that's, that, that, that's becoming sick. And I also want us to keep our eyes and ears open for opportunities to serve, whether it's financially or otherwise, a community around us who's deeply in need. This is a way in which we will show people that we are an anchor people fixed to the kingdom. Another way that we'll do this is, is through this meal. And I want, to, uh, I want to encourage you to celebrate this. Carol and I have gotten into a rhythm. We haven't really done it in the last uh, little bit, but we've gotten into a rhythm of, of, of having communion on a daily basis together. And I want to encourage you in your household to move beyond, for those of you who might be hung up in some of the, um, I would call it like religious moorings of this, I want to tell you I have an extremely high view of what happens in this meal, but I have an extremely low view of who can preside over it. If you're a follower of Jesus, then I believe you have the authority to institute this meal in your own household. If you're in your household alone, you can institute this meal and, and, and receive communion on your own. But if you have this at home, if you have anything at home, you have bread, if you have a sleeve of Ritz crackers, or if you have uh, you know, some juice, or if you have uh, whatever it is, I want to encourage you even now to go and grab that and to join with us. We're going to do this in as uh, uh, clean a way as we possibly can. So I'm going to clean my hands, and then I'm going to pray over this and institute communion, and then those of us who are in the room who want are going to share it together, and then Brian's going to come up and sing and close this out. So give me just a second. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples with him and he took bread during the meal and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it and do so in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks for it. 
And he said these astounding words to them. He said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. It's given to you for the forgiveness of sin. Take it and drink it, each and every one of you. Do so in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we thank you for these ordinary gifts. Bread and a cup of just rich crackers and a cup of juice. Kind of demystifies the whole thing. But yet, Lord, we ask as only you can do that you would take these ordinary gifts and you would fill them with your presence in a way that as we partake partake of these elements, these common elements, that we would be encountered by your very body and blood, that we would have communion with you, that we would remember what you've done for us as you've commanded us, and that we would look forward to this heavenly banquet, this blessed hope that comes in your return when we will sit down and we'll dine with you at a banquet, banqueting table that's prepared in the presence of our enemies. Jesus, we acknowledge that we've not loved you with our whole hearts. We struggle. We fall short. But yet when we come forward to receive this, when we take this meal, we don't do so so much with a mindset of, of loathing or funeral, but with a mindset of you've done all this for us. We come forward with grateful hearts and thankful hearts and with joy for this meal. So we ask, Lord, that you would receive us as we receive this meal. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're at home, go ahead and serve your family as we take communion here. And then Pastor Brian's going to lead us and then pray. And then we'll, we'll close from there.